All right, well, the children are going to leave with their leaders, and we are going to open our Bibles this morning to Luke chapter 2, a very familiar text I know you know well, talking about the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So as you find Luke chapter 2, let me tell you that I noticed that upon the day after Thanksgiving, which is also known as Black Friday, right, that the radio station 105.3 changed their entire music format to nothing but Christmas music. All day, all long, every day of the week is nothing but Christmas music. And similarly, Caleb, which I listen to a lot, and so does Sheila, and maybe many of you do too, inserted a lot of their Christmas songs as well, although I think they do weekend-only Christmas, but through the week, they do regular Christian music and Christmas music also together. So a lot of radio stations are taking the opportunity to be able to insert into their format special Christmas music for the season. In addition to that, the last few weeks, Sheila and I have been watching on Netflix many different Christmas movies. I love to watch Christmas movies. We've been watching The Castle for Christmas we watched last night together. We have also watched The Noel Diary. We have Falling for Christmas, Let It Snow, and many, many more. We've actually had probably several been watching over the last couple of weeks. And I, I tell you that because when I listen to Christmas music this time of the year, or when I begin to watch those Christmas movies, It just kind of gets me in the mood for Christmas. And I just love watching the movies and listening to the music as it gets me in the right way I need to be for this special, magical, wonderful time of the year. I mean, Christmas obviously only comes once a year. At the end of every year, we get the chance to celebrate through the month of December a wonderful, magical time of the year. Always, always Christmas upon each year comes Obviously, once upon a time, once a year, and it happens upon this particular time. But here's the thing: surprisingly, many people dread Christmas. In fact, some people, I've noticed, it seems to be sometimes you tend a little bit older because there always seems to be that childlike excitement about Christmas when they're younger. But as you get older, it seems to to leave a little bit, and all of a sudden, people get maybe a little a little lackadaisical about Christmas. They begin to think, well, Christmas is coming, but, you know, I can take it or leave it because I've been there, done that, got that T-shirt, I don't need to celebrate it anymore. Or for Christmas, maybe it just kind of becomes stale to them. You know, stale like, have you ever left out like a bag of chips? I mean, you started on them. And, you know, the good thing about Pringles is you can put the lid back on them, right? But with the bag of chips, you got to have one of them clip holders and them, them things to kind of put it back on there, because they don't seal themselves. And if you don't do that, you leave them out for a month, they get really, really stale. And and they they don't last a month most times, you're right. But if you happen to get a bag you don't like, which would be sour cream and onion for me, no thank you, I'd leave them out forever. You come by, and it it, it is stale, and it leaves a bad taste in your mouth. And so from some people, I recognize how Christmas is leaving a bad taste in their mouth. They kind of dread it. They don't look forward to it. They've lost their excitement about it. I was reading a good housekeeping article last week. I know it's good housekeeping. But uh, the article kind of summed up people's feelings. It said, it feels like Christmas arrives earlier every year. As soon as the Halloween ghouls and harvest pumpkins shuffle off the shelves, retailers start decking their halls in earnest. Mariah Carey and Bing Crosby start crooning from what seems like every speaker 
before the Thanksgiving dishes are done. The pervasiveness of the holiday makes many people roll their eyes and they catch themselves thinking, I hate Christmas. For some people, the holiday can be stressful, emotional, challenging, or even downright painful. That actually is happening to a lot of people. It may be happening to one of you here today. Because the comment is a realization that people begin to dread Christmas because maybe they no longer have the children at the house to initiate that excitement that it once was. Or, or, or maybe it's just a time of financial burden for them. Or, or maybe it's because it gets tremendously stressful. A recent poll found that 38% of people said their stress level increases during the holidays. Participants listed a lack of time or money, commercialism, the pressures of gift-giving, and family gatherings as their stressors. It's amazing. 38%. And you can almost take that comment and say, well, I guess for 30% is not looking forward to Christmas. It's a highly stressful time for them. But Christmas is not supposed to be stressful, is it? I mean, shouldn't the stress level during the time we celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior, I mean, shouldn't that level decrease if it truly is a magical, wonderful time of the year? I mean, somehow we find ourselves in a 38% that is introducing some stress then, and then dreading Christmas, well, then maybe we need to be asking, how can we return to having that magic or how can we recharge ourselves to really look forward to Christmas and the time that we can celebrate with family and friends. I mean, or we rephrase that another way, we can ask ourselves, how can we possibly rediscover Christmas? Well, I'm going to submit to you the, the, special, the most special way to rediscover Christmas is simply the text we read today, which is all about the virgin birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It's in Luke chapter 2. You can also find similarly written in Matthew. But today we read from Luke chapter 2, we read 21 verses pertaining to the wonderful birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So stand with me this morning as we simply do to honor the reading of the word. And we find what Luke is writing here in the second chapter. And we find these words. It says, chapter 2, verse 1. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. It all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. In the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over the flock by night. And the angel, the Lord, appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy. That will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, 
cloths and lying in the manger. And suddenly there was with the, with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God, for they for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. At the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Father, I'll read this text today this morning, Lord, text that we're so familiar with. And we pray today, Lord, that this text that we're familiar with, that we read on this time every year, but certainly allow us then, if we're having some reservations, we're having some concerns and stress and burdens about this time of the year, we pray, Lord, this text that we read today, that we consider, would allow us then to rediscover the true meaning of Christmas and, and would energize us, Lord, to look forward to the day we actually celebrate. Of course, this year on a Sunday, we can celebrate together the wonderful day of the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I pray for anybody here today, Lord, who may not have that Christmas spirit, that they would leave here today full of joy, the joy that we can receive from a special birth given to this world. So, Lord, lead and guide and direct us here. Let's open our hearts now to receive the message you have for us today about how we can rediscover Christmas. We love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, if you would allow me to attach a label or maybe a heading to this particular passage, and knowing your Bible that probably already has a heading and the label associated with it as it does in mine, but if I could attach my own personal label to what we just read in Luke chapter 2 in these first 21 verses, I would simply call it joy to the world. I mean, isn't that really a fair label of the text when you think about what's happening here in, in Luke chapter 2 when it describes what's happening to the shepherds, to all the world receiving their special gifts? Isn't that joy to the world? I mean, isn't that really a correct assessment or summarization, really, if you will, of the passage? I mean, isn't the announcement and the birth of Jesus Christ tremendous joy to this world, to you, to me, to all people? Of course, we sang that song early this morning, mixed in with God saves, but also today we recognize, as I use a particular label and say it's, it's described really as joy to the world, I'm, of course, borrowing on the words of English minister and hymnist Isaac Watts and his joy to the world Christmas song. We sang it earlier, so you're familiar with it, but even when we didn't even have it today in our collection of songs, you're still familiar with it. You know, joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. You can see the lyrics behind me of the little bit that begins with this wonderful song. But did you know at the turn of the 20th century, joy to the world was the most published Christmas hymn in North America? 
Interestingly, the hymn is inspired, if you did not know, by Psalms 98. Part of Psalms 96 and Genesis chapter 3, verses 15 and 16. But as you read, sing, or listen to a few of the lyrics, you'll notice that the hymn is just a joyous celebration of the sovereignty of God and the gift that he gives to all of us of Jesus Christ. Indeed, the gift of Jesus should be joy to every one of us. And accepting Jesus Christ as Lord should bring joy surely to your life. But for the writer here, Isaac Watts, it was not so joyful for him. When you look into his life, you begin to see that he lived a very complicated and challenging life. Isaac Watts gave himself to ministry at an early age, becoming a pastor in the early 1700s. But life was not easy for him. In fact, his songwriting, which is he best known for, was rooted in a deep study of the Bible and a lifetime, listen, a lifetime of suffering that led him to deep, intimate relationship with God. And the research I found last week with Isaac was, here's a bit of a snapshot of some of the suffering he had in his life. He suffered religiously as he was a son of a nonconformist, meaning that they broke away from the Church of England due to what they perceived as corruption and decompromises within the church. He suffered physically as he was weak in his body. He was small in stature, and as the study showed, looking at it, said he had a disproportionately large head. It said also this was known as one of the main reasons that the girl that he proposed to spurned him for marriage. He suffered mentally. He was plagued by a psychiatric illness much of his adult life. He suffered spiritually. He once longed to see people sing the truth of the word with more passion. It pained him so much he gave his life to writing hymns to change the narrative. His suffering led him to write songs from the Psalms, typically, but through the lens of Jesus. He led a complicated life, full of various types of suffering. So what is the point of telling you about Isaac Watts and his ministry and his songwriting and suffering? It is this which introduces for us then a central theme for the message today and is a key toward allowing us, if we, have, if we have to rediscover Christmas, the central theme allows us then to have the insight to how we can rediscover. The point of telling you about Isaac was suffering is this, that in the midst of struggle and pain, Christmas is a reminder that Jesus came into the fragmented, shattered, broken lives that we have with deliverance, redemption, and salvation. has a lot of wording, but look at it and remember and, and kind of think about it as I read it again. That in the midst of pain and struggle, every day we can have some sort of pain and struggle. Christmas, at least then, is a reminder that Jesus came into this world that we live in. We have shattered, broken, fragmented lives, and he comes in our lives then. He came into the world to bring us the joy with deliverance, redemption, and salvation. That's a wonderful expression of joy that we can receive. That's a wonderful reminder of what Christmas is really all about. I mean, Christmas is not about the giving and receiving. 
that so many people really think it is. I mean, Christmas is not about the food and the parties and the celebrating that happens with co-workers and family and friends. Christmas is not about the paid time off or getting out of school for a week and a half. I mean, Christmas really isn't even about stress or being depressed or having burdens at this time of the year. It's not about any of that. It's all about the coming of a special son into a dark world that would restore our sinful lives to a loving, compassionate, mighty, sovereign God. I mean, where would we be without Jesus? When he came, he gives a chance to restore ourselves to God. I mean, essentially, the Christmas miracle of a son conceived from the Virgin Mary is all about giving joy to the world. I mean, as the song states, the Lord has come, the earth received her king. I mean, so uh, I ask you, can, can we not just make it that simple? I mean, if we're having some thoughts or uh, about dreading Christmas, or if it's running through our mind, can we not just change our thinking from dreading Christmas to just thinking about the love that came? And then simply view this time of the year when God loved us so much. As John 3.16 tells us, he loved us so much, he gave us his only begotten son. That whosoever should believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. We can make it that simple. I mean, if we're, if we're living today a miserable, depressed, stressed about Christmas, and we desire to know, well, how could I possibly rediscover Christmas? The answer is so easy. It just sounds too easy. It's just as simple as allowing yourself to focus upon the reason we actually have Christmas. Again, it sounds so easy. And of course, it is easy. But believe me, I'm not oversimplifying. The key to how we can rediscover Christmas is as simple as allowing yourself to focus on the reason we have Christmas. I shared with you briefly last week that December 5th, which was early last week, marked the 19th anniversary of my father passing away. He passed away from cancer. My dad was first diagnosed with cancer in January of 2001. And when the doctors actually found the cancer within his body, it was so far along, they immediately placed him in stage four. But yet my dad still had a few years of chemotherapy. And he was able to fight the horrible disease for as long as he possibly could. But in 2003... Before he died in December 5th, we had a gathering, of course, Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving was a bit late that year. It was the last week of the year, a bit later than normal. And we could tell as we gathered together that the, the, the chemo that dad had been taking and the cancer was taking its toll on his body. And although we didn't know it at the time, we could kind of maybe sense them by just looking at dad and just see how he was discolored a little bit, that that could be our last Thanksgiving. So we all had family pictures taken together. So we could remember the occasion. 
And while we sensed then that was a probability it could be Dad's last Thanksgiving, the one thing we actually did not foresee was that as soon as Thanksgiving was over, going into the first of December, particularly on Wednesday, December 5th, the dad would actually end the fight. My dad died shortly after I made an eight-hour trip to Mississippi to, to Indiana to be with him in his house in Hazleton. Remarkably, shortly after I got there, he passed away. One of the most difficult Christmases is when you lose a loved one, especially before the Christmas holiday. And for those who've lost loved ones, Christmas can dredge up a lot of painful memories. In fact, any family tragedy throughout the year that resulted in the loss of a loved one, no matter if it was before Christmas, immediately, or whether any time throughout that year, any time that happens and Christmas comes around, it just has a way of dimming the holiday's light. This is unfortunate, but the holiday magic begins to disappear with this new void that has now created itself from that left behind of that person that is so special to you. And many times you... Those memories you have then are just like being in the hospital or hospice being called in, which then triggers an understandable response to dreading the entire Christmas season. It's understandable. If you've been there, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You begin to dread the entire holiday. So if you've been there or you find yourselves there somehow this particular year, the question really becomes, I mean, how do we then overcome that emptiness of the one that we love? I mean, how do we overcome those painful memories and desire? We have a desire to just run away and forget about Christmas. Or as we're asking here today, how do we rediscover Christmas? Well, for me personally, it first started with prayer. For strength. I had to pray for strength. Of course, to mix in with a lot of weeping and emotion as well. And, of course, I had to take a trip out to the woods and sit in my dad's tree stand and just remember him. But I'm also share with you that it was an intention, the way to rediscover Christmas when you lost a loved one or any kind of tragedy that occurs throughout the year is the point we're making today that is an intentional focus on the reason we actually celebrate Christmas holiday. It's the love God had for his creation, for you and me, by giving us his only son. It is a return to the text we read in Luke chapter 2, or maybe in Matthew, you may prefer that one, but it is a return to that text that tells us about the wonderful, magical birth. And remember the theme here today that in the midst of struggle and pain, we all have it. In the midst of struggle and pain in your life, Christmas is a reminder that Jesus came into our shattered, broken lives with deliverance, redemption, and salvation. Remember, it's all about the coming of a special son who came into the world that could restore our lives, our sinful lives, to a loving, compassionate, mighty, sovereign God. 
So it's, it's almost too easy, but when you begin to focus in on a very special gift given to mankind, given to the world, when you begin to focus on that wonderful gift given to this world, you rekindle the love of Christmas. You have to focus on the text. You have to focus on the miraculous birth, the joy from that given to the world. You have to focus on that to rediscover the meaning of Christmas, but to also rediscover Christmas itself. It has to be about Jesus. Have you ever noticed driving around? I mean, I drive around everywhere the bus, it seems like. And have you ever noticed that these there's elaborately decorated houses just throughout the towns that you may drive in, and they have these wonderful fenced-in yards with all the decorations they have. They they have. I mean, I seen some last week that was incredible. I, I had they had this. Big and giant inflatables with with Santa, with Frosty, the snowman, of course. They had the big sled out there. They had, I even seen a couple last week. I drove by on the bus, taking kids back and forth to school. They had the little minions out there from the movie. And some had a Christmas pig. And I thought, well, our Jewish friends are really like that. Of course, they're not celebrating Christmas anyway. Or a cow, or or the sled, the reindeer. I mean, you see all these giant inflatables decorated in the yard. But have you ever noticed? Rarely do you see baby Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, the wise men, the shepherds. We see all these wonderful decorated houses, the lights, and all the the giant inflatables that you can spend money on to be able to decorate your yard. And, and as I wonder, as I drive around, I mean, I'm not trying to judge them. Honestly, I can't help but wonder if that's their understanding of Christmas. I mean, and, and I know that having those things in your yard, I mean, we all have some, and they're not harmful by any means. But having those types of decor for Christmas, while it's not harmful, is, is not the meaning of Christmas. The real meaning of Christmas is found as you may find some houses decorated with the scenic Bethlehem. You may drive around and see then the scenic Bethlehem with the shepherds and, and the wise men and Mary and Joseph and baby. You, you see that. And that's what I prefer to see because there is something truly magical about the birth of the Son given to this world. As a Savior, right? Lying in the manger, wrapped in swaddling clothes. That's, that's, that's wonderful. It's magical. It's, it's the good tidings of great joy that the angel told the fearful shepherds. In verse 10 of the text today, the, the shepherds were fearful. The angel said to them, fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Or as the Christmas story declares, or the song we're referring to today, Joy to the World, the Lord has come. It is the joy that can change an outlook from hating, dreading Christmas to allow us to go back to the youthful excitement and eagerness of Christmas morning. The real Christmas story is how we rediscover Christmas. It's not overly complicated. 
It's just as simple as that. The real Christmas story is how we can rediscover Christmas. Realizing and remembering the reason we have Christmas is to help Isaac Watts and his suffering he had in life and countless others, including myself. It's the birth of Jesus, the shepherds going to Bethlehem, seeing the child lying in the manger, the wise men bringing their special gifts to the newborn son. It's the miracle birth that ushered in peace on earth and goodwill to men. And it's how we then can have joy in the midst of struggles, pain, and difficulty in our lives. This year, today, begin to celebrate and share the real story of Christmas. It will allow you to rediscover the joy that God desires for you and the entire family. I mean, God desires, we don't think about it, but God desires is that we would experience the good tidings of great joy that proclaimed by the angels over 2,000 years ago to the shepherds. He, he expects us to have that same joy, the same good tidings that's available for all of us. It wasn't just for the shepherds. It's available for every man, woman, and child in this world. But the joy stems from realizing and remembering what Christmas is all about. You simply, you've heard it before, you may have said it before, but you simply cannot have Christmas without Christ. It cannot happen. And what we're saying here today is that we need to rediscover that joy of Christmas by simply remembering that Christ is indeed what Christmas is all about. In our classroom today for Sunday school, Kayla asked the students for their favorite Christmas songs. Something we've done that for a couple different weeks. And there's this, you know, a variety of Christmas songs tossed out there. Like last week, it was Dominic the Donkey. was everybody's favorite Christmas. We actually played the video. Kayla loves it, by the way. If you ever wanted to have a moment for Kayla to suffer, play Dominic the Donkey. And, and she, she likes the one with the hippo. What's it called? Yeah. But I have two favorite Christmas songs. One of them, Josh and the band's going to play in a little bit when we conclude later today, How Many Kings. That's one of my favorite Christmas songs. And the other one I'm about to play for you now is the cute up the video. It's called By Cutlass. It reminds us of what the real Christmas season is all about. Because in the time that we live, in our busy lives, and with the depressed moments, and the burdens, and all the things that can happen in life, it's so easy to forget about it, and it's so easy then to push Christmas aside. So today we want to rediscover Christmas, and one way we can do that is certainly with the text. We need to read the text to rediscover Christmas, but it's also going back to those songs that truly tell us why we have Christmas. And the song today, as you look at it, as you hear it, Simply look at some of the lyrics and notice how this band named Cutlass is just trying to simply tell the world why we have Christmas. And why we have Christmas is truly how we can rediscover Christmas. Let's listen.
As you look at the lyrics, you can actually see, we can't hear it, but if you look at the lyrics, you notice that he's getting ready to tell us about why we have Christmas. It's more than the bows of mistletoe, it's more than the tree. He says, I mean, obviously there's more to this, and here he gets ready to tell us. And we know it. Well, maybe you get a chance to watch a video later, or maybe they could queue it up. But this is a, it's a video which just reminds us then what Christmas is truly all about. I mean, God, here's the situation. Whether you watch the video or not, here's the situation. God knows you're suffering. If you're suffering right now, God knows it. He knows it all. He, he, he's fully aware of your situation in life. He knows your heart. That's coming to you today in extra measure because of the holiday season. He's fully aware of it. He knows whatever is keeping you from having joy this Christmas season. I don't know if you're joyous or whether you're not. But if you're not joyous upon this particular Christmas season, God is aware of it. But here's the thing, as we said repeatedly now, even in the midst of suffering and tragedy and sickness, any kind of financial burdens you may be experiencing, you can still have joy. You can still have joy at Christmas. And it's because all the reason you can have the joy is because of the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It's the real story of Christmas. You can still enjoy the Christmas holiday despite any type of suffering you may be experiencing. Remember the theme. The theme today is this. In the midst of of our struggle and pain, which we all have at some point in life. Maybe it's unfolded, maybe it's intensified itself during this time. I don't know. But if any kind of struggle and pain you may be experiencing, Christmas is a time to be joyful because it's a reminder that Jesus came into these lives, our lives, our broken, shattered lives, to deliver us, to redeem us. And it's all about the coming of a special son given to this world, this dark world, to restore our simple lives to loving, compassionate, sovereign God. It's how we can rediscover Christmas. The text today tells us the real story, and the real story is what we need to focus on, to have joy at this time of the year. Let's pray. Father. Lord, we thank you for how we have been given this special, incredible, it's an indescribable gift, Lord, of Jesus. You gave us a special gift, Lord, and today we just want to take a moment to reflect upon it. Again, I pray for any person here today, Lord, who may have some type of suffering, who can't find themselves to get over the suffering to the point where they can enjoy the Christmas holiday. I pray, Lord, today, that this, that this message or this text will allow them then to rediscover Christmas and place that joy back in their life, to have that childlike excitement and eagerness for Christmas Day. 
And that every day, Lord, between now and, and, and then, just be filled with the joy we need to share that love with others. We thank you, Lord, for Jesus. We thank you for how we can come and celebrate the good news. Lord, you don't expect us to ever repay you for that, and we possibly never could. But we're so grateful. And today we even have joy because you give us this special gift. It is the only gift we ever needed to receive. And you were thinking of us, and you gave it to us. And today we're thankful. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you. In your name we pray. Amen.